Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 9 through 10, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 4b through 8, the gospel according to John, chapter 18, verse 33 through 37, and Psalm 93. This sermon was delivered at Christ Church Cathedral in Cincinnati, Ohio. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, first of all, good morning. I want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity to be with you and worship with you today. My name is Philip Duvall. Um, I am a priest here in this diocese. I serve over at Church of the Redeemer, your neighbors over in Hyde Park, and I have been invited to be with you today, so I just wanted to uh, thank uh, Owen. Thank you so much, and I'm excited to come back again this afternoon at 3 p.m. It'll be beautiful, and I want to thank you all for giving me some time to be with you. It's an honor. I It is impossible for me, as we hear the gospel read today, it is impossible for me to avoid the fact that when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus was killed, it was legal. It was no crime when Jesus was killed. It was done with due process. It was done under the law. Jesus' death, his execution, his murder, was legal. We tend to forget that part because, you know, we're all Jesus fans. That's who we are. So anyone who would kill Jesus, this can't be right. So we think of it as a great miscarriage of justice. And this crucifixion, what an ugly, what a disgusting way for Jesus to die. Surely this must be some sort of, some sort of aberration, some sort of disconnect from, from the justice system. It couldn't possibly be what's appropriate. Not for Jesus. Crucifixion's not that big a deal in the Roman Empire. If you recall the story, Jesus is crucified with two other people. We don't learn their names. They're just Two other folks that die that day. Crucifixion in the Roman Empire is for thieves, slaves, and enemies of the state. Well, we know Jesus isn't a thief. We know he was no slave, though he was servant to all. Jesus was killed for being an enemy of the state. And these weren't false charges. In an empire that commanded your utter obedience and fealty, that stated in its daily living that Caesar is Lord, Jesus pointed to the lordship of our God. And people would walk around and call Jesus Lord. His teachings if you bothered to take them seriously, were dangerous. 
And not just that his teachings were dangerous in the abstract. In real and practical terms, Jesus represented a threat to the Pax Romana, to the, to the fragile peace that the empire had put together. This fragile peace existed between the occupiers and the occupied, the Roman and then the Jewish authorities. They, they brokered some very fragile peace, some way of being together, a, a compromises so that, so that Israel could sort of kind of be Israel so long as they didn't push it. And Rome could be Rome and appear to be kind and loving and generous to all those people. It's subdued and marginalized. Again, so long as the boat wasn't rocked. But when you take Jesus' words seriously and you see the power behind his words, not only in their effect, but in the miracles that accompanied them, the signs, John calls them. If you, if you really honestly look at them, they upend everything you think about the world. The world that orders things so that the rich have power and might and are good and righteous by virtue of their richness and wealth. And the poor and the destitute deserve what they have. And those who are on the marginal, margins were marginalized because that's where they belong. That's the way the world works. Jesus does not work that way. Jesus sees the belovedness, the belonging, the blessed truth of every person he meets. This is dangerous. We're all, you know, we've been Christian, a lot of us, for a while. Here we are, you're at a cathedral, right? We're like, we're in on this thing. We, you've heard the gospel according to John before, and, and you know how difficult and how, how, how tense that language is that John uses between Jesus, that tension between Jesus and the Jews, as if Jesus weren't a Jew, but you all know Jesus is a Jew, a member of the people of Israel. But it occurs to me today when we hear this reading, because we can often sort of think that John was anti-Semitic and that he was trying to make Jesus not Jewish, but it occurs to me today more fully what's happening, maybe than I've ever noticed before. Because when Pilate says, aren't you of these people? And Jesus' response is, no. This isn't Jesus rejecting Jew Jews and becoming a Gentile or some sort of thing like that. This is Jesus, the Jew, who has grown up in Israel with the same heart and mind and desire for deliverance that all his siblings share who is now realizing that because of his obedience to the gospel, because of his deep, deep belief in the truth of the belonging of all people, he is at odds even with his kinsfolk. Not because they're Jewish, but because they're people. Because to be a follower of Jesus is to believe in our total and complete belonging and our primary identity is as citizens of heaven, beloved children of God. 
And that usurps our allegiance to Rome or Israel or even America. So they killed him. He blasphemed. He said all sorts of things that were not legal to say. He contradicted Moses. You don't contradict Moses. There are rules about that. He contradicted Moses who spoke with the authority of God and he broke the Sabbath. He did. We can do our little Christian tap dance around it to figure out how he was really fulfilling the Sabbath, but he broke the rules and he did all sorts of things claiming the authority of God. They thought he was crazy. They thought he was dangerous for what he did. And the Jewish authorities and the local Roman authorities were rightly disturbed because if the people around Jesus took him seriously, the fragile peace and coexistence with the way things are in this world would be destroyed. So the Jewish authorities followed their laws and the Romans followed their laws and Jesus was killed. As we all saw the verdicts of the, the verdict of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial this week, many of us who recently had been uh, epidemiologists and pandemic scholars and before that were constitutional scholars, we all became legal scholars. Congratulations on your degrees, they're in the mail. Because we all, one way or the other, thought we understood that it should have been this or it should have been this, what should have been right or should have been guilty or not guilty by the law. And I feel like all of us, myself included, because I was one of those legal scholars, we all missed the point. Because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should know better than anyone that just because something is legal doesn't make it right. It doesn't matter to me in my heart whether that verdict was the correct verdict for this country in terms of following the laws of this country. What matters to me is that we as Christians are able to look at the situation with clear eyes and true hearts and say, what is a child doing wandering the streets with a gun? Why? Well, it's legal. Don't talk to me about what is legal. What is happening? Where is Christ King? How is Jesus Lord in the violence of this place? In the danger of the world we create, how can we say Jesus is Lord? If we are serious about following Jesus, we will become radicalized too. Dr. King spoke about this a lot, being a radical for love, a love warrior. 
And this is essential. This is essential because we have, it's so dangerous to say our place is in heaven, our citizenship is in heaven, and our primary belonging is to God because Jesus is our Lord, not Caesar or Trump or Biden, but Jesus. The danger in that is that we have the capacity then to say, so really I don't need to be involved with what happens here in this world. Politics doesn't matter. I love when people tell me that Christianity has nothing to do with politics. Jesus, they're telling me, has no opinion or place in what is happening in the world today? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus has no place in how we live our lives in real time? Is Jesus just the abstract, the nice sort of pleasant chap that we pray to so that we can go to the right place when we die? Or is Jesus alive and living and working in this world for healing and reconciliation? Is Jesus inviting you and me as Christians, as Christians, to participate in the healing, in the reconciliation of this world? Jesus says, this isn't my kingdom, actually. But then he doesn't just disappear and escape death, right? This isn't my kingdom. Good point, Pilate. I'm out, right? Pilate's the one who washes his hands, not Jesus. Jesus recognizes the disconnect between our world and the kingdom of God and then stays stays engaged, stays connected, dies even for us. And there's the good news if you're feeling despair today. The good news is that though this world is not like the kingdom of God, God never lets us go. Though we pray with our lips, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then we go about our lives wishing that that would never be true. Jesus never lets us go. Jesus lives for you. Jesus dies for you. And the love of God is so powerful that not even death can contain Jesus, who lives again forever who was and is and is to come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we mean it? Because if we mean it, We need to remember that we are the body of Christ. That if we are going to pray for the deliverance of this world, then when we say amen and we open our eyes and we get up, we must look in the mirror and realize we are part of the way that God is planning to heal and redeem this earth. We are not just waiting for Jesus. Jesus is here. Will we join him in the work? 
Will we recognize our primary citizenship in heaven, our utter belonging to God, our total and complete belovedness, and will we share that belovedness with everyone we meet and live in this world as if we are part of God's kingdom coming and God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven? Our proclamation that Christ is king today. Did you know how new that is? That's like some 20th century stuff. I mean, it's a made-up holiday, Christ the King Sunday. I mean, you know all holidays are made up, right? Like one day we just say, we're going to call it a holiday. And then it is. But Christ the King is like a really new one, like 20th century holiday. Because a pope in Rome during the 20th century was so scared of the great upswelling, uprising of fascism and nationalism, of adherence to your nation above all things, that he felt the need to remind Christians where our hearts belong first. But again, not as a means of escape. Your connection to God is not the way you get out of being part of this world. Your connection to God in Jesus Christ informs how you live here and now. Makes you an instrument of blessing. Makes you a bringer of peace. This is our prayer today. Not just that God's kingdom come but that we help it get here.